What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Playoff Baseball Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, depression, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Uh, thoroughly depressed, Graham. Thoroughly depressed, as that is the new <laughs> mantra of our show and our uh, shitty football team. Once again, ruin a good Sunday, um, but we're not going to talk about them, Graham. Screw the Falcons. Let's not even get into it. But my one, I, I usually like to start the show with a little personal note, so I guess I'll go there. I got to quarantine myself to get away from poison ivy, Graham. This is like poison ivy is the is the new COVID it is, for you. I'm telling you, it is. 2020 has been the year of poison ivy for Adam Kalal. Like I got it again this past weekend, and like both my forearms right now look like Dan Uglas. They're that swollen. Um, it's bad, man. It's bad. So a rough Monday dealing with that and just the general Monday hangover of Falcons. But we got to move on. It's, it's kind of a nice change of pace that we got a big game in less than, well, a little over 12 hours. Um, but pretty good, Graham. Beyond all that shit. How about yourself? You recovered from Sunday? I have, and I think, like we talked about on Sunday, it was a blessing I did not drink. I, I got mad enough during that game, even though I knew it was coming. Even when it was 26-10, to 10, even when, I can't remember if it was Miller or Robinson who dropped that touchdown pass that falls through in the end zone. I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just You just knew something bad was going to happen. You just knew it. Especially when we started scoring in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter came on. I was like, well, we have to fuck up in some quarter and just totally disappear, and there it was. But as you said, let's don't get into that yet, Adam, because we actually have a team that has some hope, kind of knows what they're doing, and, you know, God knows can actually give us some entertainment other than the Falcons in our Atlanta Braves. Here, here. Playoff time, Graham. It's playoff time. The Braves finished uh, first in the division at 35-25, and 25, and were the number two seed in the National League and have drawn the number seven seed in the Cincinnati Reds. For those of you who have been living under a rock, during these bizarre times, baseball has expanded to a 16-team playoff, eight teams in each league. And so we have, for the first time in MLB history, 16 teams in the postseason. Kind of like the NBA. How do, you, how do you feel, first off, Adam, about this new playoff format in it that there's now what is classified as the wild card round, a best-of-three series between these teams seeded one through eight in each league well uh sitting in a position as a number two seed it's kind of unfair but we knew what we were getting into i think it's going to be an exciting ass few days of watching baseball i mean you look at the schedule tomorrow i think there's eight games first first one with us starting at noon the next one's at like one or one thirty and uh, it's going to be high intensity right off the bat. So it's going to be like March Madness. Every single playoff matchup there is is happening tomorrow. The American League kicked off today, and now both the National League and American League will be playing tomorrow. So it should be pretty fun. And I have to say, if you're going to expand the playoffs, I am glad that it's not a one-game wild card round. That would be insane especially with all the teams that are playing. But I don't, I'm already a, not a big fan of the, the original wildcard format 
or not the original, but the the <laughs> format that was introduced in 2012, where there was the extra team and the wild card, uh, the fourth seed would play the five seed in a one game playoff. As we all know, the Braves broke that process in in 2012 against the Cardinals, and it was just absolutely horrendous. It's nice that MLB has implemented a three-game series as opposed to a one-game because it's more consistent with how baseball is played during the season where you're trying to win series. It doesn't just come down to one game. So I, I am in favor of that. And if you got to expand, you know, this is how it should be done. And I think that, you know, next year, if they, even if they don't expand the playoff field again, I think the wild card game should be a wild card series. Best of three. Why not? I definitely agree with that. I think, I mean, maybe they'll look at their numbers this year and see how it did viewing-wise because I think that's what they really care about. But I think you'd be hard-pressed sure. to find. Well, eh, here's the kicker, though, Graham. If if you are if you don't have to plan that wild-card round, then another team has to go through their top three pitchers and face, like, the number one seed with their fourth-best pitcher. That's not fair. Well, that's the price you pay for not winning your division. I think in that sense I like it because – you're able, you know, it, it, it really is rewarding, like you were talking about, how you feel like you've been treated unfairly as the number two seed to have to play in the wild card round. You know, if this were to be the same scenario next year, you get some time off, everybody's refreshed, and then you get to face the back end of the wild card team's rotation. Does that put the wild card team at a disadvantage? Yeah. But at the wild card, you know, the wild card team should be put at a disadvantage, I think, if that's the format. If the format is wild card game first and then divisional foe next, you know tough titties in, in fairness this would be much more of an advantage for us if there were fans in the stadium since we do get all three ball games at truest park that would be a huge advantage but it's basically neutral field now so you know you just got to go gut it out and get it done graham i i feel kind of strange going to the series i feel like i've kind of taken on the mentality i have of the falcons i'm not a good I think we should win games, but I'm not going to get my hopes up yet, Graham. Like, we've done that for the last 30 years of our lives, and it's just led to depression and, um, you know, just letting it affect our personal lives way too much. So I'm not going to commit to feeling like we should win game one. Max Fried should come out. He's well-rested. He's going to be the bulldog that we know he is. Lineup's going to rake. Ozuna's coming to the playoffs hot. We're going to jump all over Trevor Bauer. Bullpen's going to slam the door. We're going to win one, the first game for the first time since 2001. I'm not going there, Graham. I'm, I'm going into this neutral, just like this neutral field situation we got going. I'm going to, you know, live and die with every pitch, but I just can't get emotionally invested in it. It seems too soon since our last two playoff loss. So that's where I'm at, Graham. I'm I'm with you 100. percent I agree. I agree with just everything you just said. I don't really think I need to reiterate or extrapolate upon anything. Like that was perfectly said. So I'll just shut the fuck up, and I think we can close out the show. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for listening <laughs> for listening this week. No, but yeah, no, that's very well said. I think especially last year was the first time I really got my hopes up, probably since 2010. Um. Just because the Cardinals were such an easy draw, we matched up better with them. We had the better offense. We had the, on paper, the better staff, um, better bullpen, and we had home field advantage. And everything you know seemed to be perfectly lined up for us to actually win a playoff round for the first time since I won. 
and we just found a way to fuck ourselves like we always do in the playoffs. And so even though this team is different, it's still the same manager, same GM, a lot of the same personnel. And I just can't go there emotionally and really just, you know, put my feelings out there to a point where I know they'll get destroyed if, if, if we don't win. I can't do that again. So, yeah, totally neutral. Let's hope for the best, even though, once again on paper, we should win the series, despite the Reds having the, I would say, the overall better Yeah, so that, that's the thing. Uh, most people, not I think it is a majority of people, are picking the Reds to win. They're kind of the hot team coming into the series. They've got three starting pitchers that are really good in Trevor Bauer, or what'd you call him last week, Castellotti? Uh Castellani, yeah. <laughs> Luis Castillo, Luigo Castellani, <laughs> and uh, Trevor Bauer. So they're the real popular pick, but we do have a couple things going for us. Obviously, we've discussed this all year: our great bullpen, our great offense, but also this is a playoff-tested roster at this point, where the Reds are not. Uh, granted, some of their players have pitched in the playoffs, like Trevor Bauer, who's got a phenomenal record pitching in the postseason, but. With Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna's playoff tested, Max Freed, this is his third playoffs. Like they understand what it's about now. So and well, I've go ahead. Sorry, they understand what it's about. This noon start's going to be really weird. I think for some reason, I think the Reds are more likely to come out flat than us with the noon start. And I'm only basing that on our phenomenal Sunday home day record at truest park but um yeah man we got some things going for us i do think there is something for this playoff experience that could work to our favor in this series when you got two teams one that hasn't won a playoff series since 2001 in your atlanta braves and the other one that hasn't won playoff series since 1995 so something's got to give Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing to look at here, you just mentioned playoff experience. No one who is slated to start a game in this series, for the Braves at least, has a playoff start. You're literally throwing Max Fried, who, yes, has pitched in the postseason before, but only as a reliever. Ian Anderson only has, what, seven, eight starts to his name. And Kyle Wright, who has come out of nowhere to solidify the middle of the rotation as best as he can. So even though Freed does have experience, I do worry a little bit about the the just absolute greenery we're getting in terms of Anderson and especially Kyle Wright. Uh, combined with, yes, Trevor Bauer is a hoss. Everybody thinks he's going to win the Cy Young. He has been phenomenal all three months of the season. Uh, for those that don't know anything about his stats, he has a – Sub two ERA at one seven three. Has only walked seventeen and has struck out a hundred. Opponents are only hitting one fifty nine off of him. Uh, guy's a, an absolute hoss, and actually has pitched better away this year. One three two ERA away, and he also has a, a a whip. Sub a sub one whip, so he's averaging less than one walk and hit per innings pitched. And yeah. There's not enough to say about how good he's been and how tough of a matchup that's going to be for the Braves. Now, 
one thing you can also think about, though, is the fact that, you know what, the, the central, as we know this year, baseball has been very strange in the way they arrange the schedule, but the central division is at the bottom as a league, or sorry, the central, the, cent, the two central divisions, American League and the National League Central, rank in the bottom of the league of an offense consistently, like like as as divisions. So it, it makes you wonder. Some of the, I mean, we know uh, Trevor Bauer's yeah. a good pitcher, the, but but has has some of these statistics been you know buoyed by a lack of of real thump in the offenses across the divisions? And you also look at how, at least in the National League. What the Central has four teams in the playoffs. I think they have the Reds, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. Which does that say that they're you know all really good teams, or was or was the competition in the other divisions a little too tough? Yeah. You, know, you think about the NL East had the Braves, and the Marlins and the Phillies who were competing all year. The National League West had the Padres and Dodgers who were just killing everybody in their in their division. So it's like. I, I I wonder how much of playing in the central has to do with how how good these statistics look, and I guess you could say that about anyone in any division going to the playoffs. That's not to cut short what the Reds have done this year. I mean, they've really rallied and they're hot coming to the playoffs. I think they won ten of their last twelve games, but I don't know. There's just there's a lot of factors to this. I know I'm just rambling, but I, I, any any thoughts on anything I just said there? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a great point, and I wish I had stored. It's in the back of my mind, but I did see where like he hadn't gone up against like a top fifteen offense all year. Oh, yeah. Bauer. So right. I mean that is something big to consider. I mean we're second in the National League, one run behind the Dodgers in offense, and we can thump Graham. That we can do. Oh yeah. So as long as we can get in a situation against Bauer, where we don't give up four runs early or something like that. Like we just need to keep in the all of these games against the Reds because once we get their bullpen is pretty weak, they're mediocre. You think their bullpen's mediocre? I don't know. I think they have some good good pitchers back. I mean, there. I think ranked throughout they're like middle of the road in the majors. I mean they've got I, I know our boy our old boy Lucas Sims has been crushing this year, which is annoying. Um but I think they got a few good arms back there. Yeah, but if we can get one of these starters out of the game early, our bull, our, our offense is known to just feast on mediocre bullpens. So I think that's what it's going to come down to is not letting one of these guys go seven, eight innings. And yeah, and that's and that's just the thing I, I I worry about. I know we've mentioned this on the show the last few weeks is just historically the Braves' offense just shitting the bed when they face really good pitching in the playoffs for the last 18 years. And, you know, everything seems to change when the playoffs come around, no matter how proficient the offense is. And I really hope this team can dodge that bullet. And I think we have a lot going for us offensively. As, I mean, as we know, we're, we're one of, if not the best offense in baseball. Uh, you know, the only real guy who's just shitting the bed right now is, is I, don't know, I don't know why I keep saying shitting the bed all the time, but the only guy who is, is Marcakis, who's just had a dreadful September, mm, yeah, hitting like 154 on base is like in the 200s, not slugging worth a shit. 
And so he's really the only guy in the lineup, though, that you can look at right now and say, okay, we can get around that guy. I know Riley has kind of cooled off, but, you know, we have seven guys that can absolutely destroy Yeah, it's been it's been nice to see Dansby. He was slumping for the first couple weeks of September, but he's really come out of it in a big way here in the last couple, like 10 games of this season, which is phenomenal to see because we know he's got that clutch factor in the playoffs. So you want him swinging the bat well. And him combined with a health, healthy Ozzy and, like you said, I mean, everybody. I mean, in Marcakis and Riley, Riley could run into one. You never know. So it's – Yep. I'm glad that at least our offense, and I'm going to knock on wood, is coming into a healthy because we've had issues throughout the year with Acuna being out for a long time. There was, I know there was a wrist scare, a scare with his wrist at – for the last game here, but all reports are saying he's healthy. He could have played if he needed to. So offense is healthy. Pitching staff, obviously another story, but at least we got that going for us, Graham. Yeah, and you know, supposedly Acuna's okay. Also on the injury front, there was uh, Austin Riley. was a little banged up. I believe it was a gro- groin pull or strain or something. And Chris Martin. I think well, Chris Martin has some groin that issues. That one too. scared me. I don't know. Yeah, but he's fine. Apparently, he's fine. Apparently, Snicker said today he f- feels a hell of a lot better than he thought he would. He got injured in the game on Sunday and immediately called for the trainers to come get him. So everyone thought, "Oh my god!" So hopefully, he's okay. But I'm still a little nervous about him because, uh, as you recall, last year in the playoffs in Game One. Chris Martin came out to pitch, and one of the back innings, it was seventh or eighth, I can't remember. It's before everything really, really. Yeah, it was the you know, seventh. Really screwed the pooch. That set up freaking Luke seventh, Jackson yeah. coming in. We all know, we all know the Jackson story, Graham. Promptly, we all know the story. I know. But Goldschmidt had a home run right over my head. It was so frustrating. Anyway, but we, yeah, we know that that happened with Chris Martin. So because of that, I am worried about him, and I will not, not worry about him until he's actually out there pitching tomorrow. He threw a bullpen today. Feels good. Said he he came in and was surprised at how good the groin felt today. And was everyone was glad that both him and Acuna said something versus trying to keep that shit to themselves. But but yeah, right. the Chris and Martin we, one scared me. Also, we haven't mentioned on this that because I think we recorded last week for Max Fried's start where he got pulled after one inning because he kind of rolled his ankle. And all reports on that are is that he is healthy as well. A lot better to be an ankle for him, obviously, than an arm. But it's like, good lord, like how how twenty twenty is this shit going to get, man? Yeah, it's it's nerve wracking with Max. Even though I know we we can trust him, and we feel like he's definitely going to step up. And as you mentioned, he does have a little postseason experience. But September's definitely been his worst month. He's only thrown eleven innings, has a four nine ERA. Um and just he just hasn't pitched that much. He just hasn't pitched that much in September. So it's really scary heading into game one tomorrow for him. I mean, I really hope he's he's a hundred percent healthy, ready to go, or as hundred close to hundred percent as you can get, because we really need him more than we've ever needed anybody, it feels like. Maybe it's just because the, the it's about to happen tomorrow, but it's just like you're literally facing off against someone who many perceive as the best pitcher in baseball right now in Bauer. So good God, Max, we need you to throw at least six innings tomorrow. 
and go toe to toe with this guy. Like he's really gonna ha- he he has felt the pressure. I feel like of putting the rotation and the team in some sense on his back, but he's got to deliver again tomorrow. This is when it really fucking counts, and I hope that the time he's had off is, is will prove fruitful, and he's able to go toe to toe with Bauer because I know he can. It's just given that given not pitching that much in uh, this month, I don't know, man. It's it's just concerning. Oh, there's that word concerned. You're concerned. You're concerned. concerned. Yeah, I mean, I feel. I mean, it's the, it's a matter of whether or not his stuff's gonna, stuff is going to be as sharp. Um, but at least he's not a mental midget like Fulte. I don't think he's going to give up ten runs in the first inning. No, I'd be shocked if that. If that and happened. we haven't even talked about this Reds offense. They're also very middle of the road. They rely on home runs a lot. Which yeah, home runs and and walks. Adam, they they have an eleven point three percent walk rate which is second best in all of baseball, which could certainly pose a problem for our starters. Uh, who could we walk close to four guys per nine innings? I feel like any stats on our and starters are kind of skewed. They are skewed, but it's that still something. Like I guess don't worry as much about the starters because, you know, you got Tukey in there, you got Tommy Malone and the corpse of Robbie Erland <laughs> and all these other guys who have just not been very very good this year. But do keep in mind that the Reds have an 11.3% walk rate, and that is exceptional. Yeah, walks and home runs. If you can limit those, you should be able to shut that offense down, I think. Yeah, and really the only two guys I'm concerned with are Jesse Winker, who has a 544 slugging percentage and a 388 on base. Those are two excellent numbers. But he also also hit like Uh, 100 in September. Yeah, he's had a he's certainly cooled off in September. Um and he is a great great off-speed hitter, 612 slugging percentage against off-speed pitches. Um you know, him and Eugenio Suarez is the other guy. Um So, yeah, I mean those those are both power guys, but Suarez I, I think he's also hitting under 200, right? He's hitting like 202, which is a career worst, but he has a batting average of balls in play of 214, which is saying which means that he's probably getting a little unlucky. Um, I, I feel like if he if he if, but he has a 13% walk rate. So I mean, he's his on-base percentage is at 312, which means he for a guy who's hitting 202, he's drawing a shit ton of walks. I, so these guys know how to I work. I feel like if he if he were a sure. brave with that stat line, you would say he's not worthy to be in the major leagues. But because he's a red, he's like Unlucky. Do you just or the bad average balls in play? That's, a, that's absurdly low bad average balls in play. For context, Chris Johnson <laughs> in his crazy ass year hit like four. His bad average balls in play was like four forty seven or something like that. It's like the highest ever recorded. Or something. It, was, it was just insane. You think when we got that uh, senior citizen podcast we're talking about forty years from now that uh, you're still going to bring be bringing up Chris Johnson's batting average and balls in play stat? You bet your ass. <laughs> this is a great it's a great indicator of why that's a good stat. It shows that you can be and what's what's ironic about it is that it also factors luck into the equation in the sense that you know, if you're hitting 447 with a bad average of balls in play, you're getting pretty goddamn lucky probably. Whereas 214 you're getting which is what Suarez is, you're probably getting pretty unlucky. Yep. So I think those are the two guys that you really got to worry Cap- about. Everyone else, like Mike Moustakis, you got to respect, I guess, but he's had a rough Castellanos. season. 
Joey Votto has had a rough season as well, but he still walks like a bitch. I mean, like, like this whole team, their their on base percentage are like almost a hundred or at least one hundred twenty points better. It seems like than their average, which proves that they just they they just know how to take yeah. a pitch, which is concerning for guys like Anderson and Kyle Wright to me, who both can struggle with the walk. Anderson was pretty on it with not walking people. That's why we love him so much instantly. Or are you just saying that because he's a young guy who you're worried will feel the pressure? And I only bring that up because even though he wasn't walking guys early on, he had, you know, overall he's got 14 walks to 41 strikeouts. And, uh, you know, it's 14 walks and 32 innings pitched. And it's not like he's out there just, you know, dishing out free passes everywhere you go. But especially when you're facing a team that has as good on base percentage as the Reds. And you see, I don't know, it's just a young pitcher. Susceptible, yeah. It's, it's, it's scary. It's scary. You, know, you, you know, Snit's going to have the quick trigger to pull anyone who's walking people early and dip into our plethora of bullpen arms. So I'll be yep. very curious to see how Snit plays this bullpen. I mean, he does have a history in the playoffs of pulling guys early if they need to be pulled. Uh, so we'll we'll just see. It's going to be really, really interesting. Or also pulling guys who shouldn't have been pulled, like Fulte in game two last year, even though it worked. Yeah, you're complaining. Still like, what are you when, doing? When Duvall hit the two-run home run to win the game, you're complaining about that one? Yeah, I am. It was another drunk driving exercise that worked out, but what would have happened if it didn't, Adam? You had the guy pitching the game of his life. They had plenty of gas left in the tank. Oy. I still don't agree with that logic. You, you can't you can't blame the coach because I know that you would blame Snit if he kept him in, and then Fulte doesn't get the run in. No, because that would have at least been. The, I'm not going to base an opinion on the outcome. I'm going to base it. Was it a good decision? Was it a logical decision beforehand? If it didn't work out, at least it was a logical decision. I don't think that I don't think there's it's like a audio history of you actually agreeing with any managers on any decision that backfires because they're all stupid <laughs> i'm gonna start looking i wish we had coaches that would make good decisions that didn't work out we don't it doesn't seem to work like that <laughs> wait you're calling dan quinn stupid no not at all he's the finest that we have man i know he's, he's the he's the toast of atlanta cream of the crop can we talk a little bit about Shane Green, Adam? Uh, sure. It's got a five-five-six ERA in September. Seven earned runs and eleven point one innings pitched. Five walks. People are hitting two ninety-five off him. It's a little. I'm a. I don't know. the The back end of the bullpen doesn't seem to be as as dominant as it was in some some cases. Like Melanson's been okay. Martin, obviously, but like Shane Green has been such a critical part of that back end of the rotate, uh, back end of the bullpen. I just wish he was a little hotter going into the playoffs, but you know it is what it is. You still got to rely on him in the in the postseason. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I remember one of those starts where there were like a couple little blue pits that dropped in, and at least the game I was watching, he gave up like three or four runs after it, but it it wasn't necessarily like him getting. Whacked. I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm. I'm not worried about any of those guys. Will Smith's the only guy I'm worried about getting in a high leverage situation. Yeah, seven. Seven of his eleven hits given up have been home runs. Yeah, don't don't bring him in with a runner on base. I'll tell you that much. He needs a clean inning. 
because he'll give up a two-run yeah. jack pretty quick. What do you think about – so who, who do you think makes the roster in terms of guys on the bubble? Do you think your boy Luke Jackson makes it? Well, I do know that Snit is leaning towards – leaning towards an extra position player, which is going to be Pablo Sandoval. So I think I think <laughs> the Panda knocks out Luke Jackson. Like, there's no way you can go with Luke Jackson, who gave up, what, like five runs the other day, six runs in his last game. You can't go with him over freaking Jacob Webb, who has a zero ERA. No, Luke Jackson, I agree. You can't go Luke with Jackson him over Grant, off Grant the roster. Dayton. Who's a lefty? Um, and he, he's also shown he's not scared to leave a bigger name off the postseason roster. So, I think uh, I think the panda makes it. Luke Jackson does not. Is there anyone else on the bubble? I guess Tomlin. I think I, I, I agree with you. Tomlin makes it. Noah's hurt again, though. I think Tomlin should make so it. So Noah. But yeah, you got your. I mean, you got to go with Bryce Wilson or Noah, don't you? I guess I don't know who I'm picking or, from that. That or maybe line. not I guess for the may, Bryce Wilson pitch. Maybe not for this round, though. Good. Hopefully, yeah, you might hopefully not there's not a need them. for Bryce Wilson in this round. That that's that means we're getting killed. Right. And. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about like even Castellanos and Castellanos hasn't been that good this year for them. Uh Freddie He's Gallis. a guy that can hit a lot of doubles though. Yeah, it's like it, it is like a, a classic analytics lineup in a way, but they've they they still even if they they have a good walk rate, it's just like, you know, you look at everything else, they're not a, a an offense that strikes fear into your heart like the Braves do. Yeah. At all. Like it's a navigable lineup for sure, man. You really miss Mike Soroka right now, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if you had him going one, or whatever, him or Soroka one or two, you you just immediately feel a thousand percent better. You just yeah, I had no idea how Ian Anderson or Kyle Wright are going to react to to postseason baseball. No, think no of it. Idea. Think of it this way, man. Maybe they're both absolute studs in the playoffs. And we're looking at it next year like, holy shit, we got Freed, Anderson, Wright, and Soroka coming back as a bonus? Mm-hmm. That's certainly yeah, possible. Man. Can't live in the past at this point. This, I, this is what we're going to battle with. I, it's still yep. – And I feel, I feel pretty good about Ian, though. I mean, Ian's pitched really well ever since coming up here. Uh, really – I mean, without him – I'd feel absolutely fucked. I mean, he he honestly could be one of the bigger X factors in the series. Whether you lose or win game one, it's it's absolutely critical. I think the Braves, if they're going to win this series, have to win, have to sweep it. They have to sweep it. I do not want Kyle Wright getting the ball right now. Like, if it comes down to Kyle Wright to win a postseason series, if, it, if we split the first two games and Kyle Wright has pitched game three, that is just nerve-wracking to shit. You gotta, you gotta sweep. I feel like if it goes to game three, we lose. If we, if we, if we can, if we can beat game one, I think, I, I, I think we can do it. I just really, 
like I do not have as much faith in Kyle Wright as I do in Ian Anderson. Yeah, under, understandably. Uh, yeah, it's a really scary prospect to be down if our best pitcher loses in game one and have to rely on two rookies to win their ball games. I also think if we if if we do yeah. lose game one, that's where Snickers is going to get really weird with the bullpen. But let's just win it tomorrow, Graham, or this morning, I suppose. Yeah, we got to take it one step at a time. We're not going to. Here's some interesting stats for you on your boy uh, Luigi Castellani, as I like to call him, <laughs> aka Luis Castillo. I would assume, Adam, since we are playing at 12 on tomorrow, on tomorrow, Jesus. I would assume, Adam, since we're playing at 12 noon tomorrow, or today for those that are, that are listening, that we would play an afternoon game again on Friday. Or, excuse me, Thursday. Wouldn't you expect the same? You know, it's really annoying, unless they have they released these yet. These, these. No, we have no idea when game two is going to be, at least of the time. You would assume so, but it's also going to be based on like what's looking like the most interesting. Or I guess some American League teams could be eliminated by that point. So who the hell knows? But yes, I would also assume a game, a day game. So if that's the case, your boy Castillo is a much worse pitcher, not only on the road, but during day games. On. uh, during day games, he has a 5.02 ERA. People are hitting 283 against him. He's giving up three homers. And away overall, he has a 4.12 ERA and 39, a little over 39 innings pitched. Contrast that to a 2.05 ERA at home. Okay. I like that. So that could certainly work in two or favor. Well, the other thing about the Reds and that they do get a lot of their offense from home runs is. Truist Park isn't quite the matchbox of a baseball stadium that Great American Ballpark is. Right. I haven't looked at their home road splits, Graham. That seems more of like a job for you to do. But I assume their offense is not as good on the road as it is at home. I have actually not looked into that. I've just looked into individuals. I'm not sure what their their overall stats are in terms of splits and home oh, it's, road. it's a team sport, Graham. But it is a team sport. But it's the most individualized team sport. That's also a good point. I would say. So that, that pretty much, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. I know we talked about the Reds a little more than we have the Braves in some sense. But, I mean, if you know anything about the Braves this year, it's been what it's been. It's been offense. It's been the bullpen. And two of the three guys that we're that we're going to see in this series start have been really damn good for us. So, all things considered, even when you take into the fact that the Reds do have a, a damn good rotation, a, a better one on paper than we do, I don't think you can count the Braves out in this series. I think it's going to be a competitive series. Um, it's just it's it's like. I think it's really the, the series will be won and lost on the strength of, of the Braves' rotation. Can these young guys rise to the occasion? We know the offense can hit, but I don't think they're going to be hitting as well as they have been. So if that's the case, if we have to win a close game, do our starters have the fortitude to go toe-to-toe with these more experienced And let's pitchers? be real. This is going to go to game three in Kyle Wright. It probably probably will. Probably uh, will. 
I'll make my prediction, Graham. All right. I think we lose tomorrow. Okay. Win big in game two. And then it comes down to game three. I'm not, I'm not going to say what I think happens in game three, but I do think it'll come down to game three. I, I don't think we're capable of winning a game one. I'll say that much. Yeah, we have a. When was the last time we won game one? What, 2001. Which I think was also, which is also the last time we won yes. a series. So, yeah, I don't think we, we get swept, but I think we have a, a classic true to Atlanta, like, what the fuck? How could this happen <laughs> scenario? And I think we, we absolutely lose the series in some absurd fashion, some bad defensive play. Uh, bullpen guy doesn't do his job. Someone's going to really, really think, drop the ball. You think ball an umpire here, comes like, into play? I don't think an umpire comes into play. I think it's something the Braves will do to, to self uh, a self-inflicted wound, as they often are so inclined to do during the postseason in particular. Joe West will come back to Joe West is on the umpire crew, though, man. I don't remember Joe West. I, mean, I know the name, but with, with, he's not like Angel Hernandez. Bad, no, he? but he's known as Wild Card. Uh, okay. Little known fact, or maybe it's a lot known fact, I don't know. Joe West is also a very successful country music recorder, uh, artist, if you will. Interesting. Uh, he's just a wild card, man. He, he, he likes to make the game about him where there's no reason for the camera to be on Joe West, but Joe West wants the camera on him all the time. I guess that's... Sounds like Angel Hernandez. Yes, but I think he's a, he, he calls, for whatever reason, I read Wiki, Joe West's Wikipedia page during one of our recent games with Joe West. Um, I think he calls a decent game, but he's going to do something ridiculous, like eject Acuna in the first inning or something like that. Jesus. <laughs> I also think someone gets hurt, and that, that, that kills us. Someone's going to get hurt that that is, is essential, and we're going to be saying, if we just had blah, blah, blah healthy, we would have won. I think that's going to uh, happen, Chris too. Martin type situation. Chris Martin, Billy Wagner. Yeah. Freddie Freeman last year as well. But I will say this. like This is the most, I won't even say confident, but it's the most assured I felt in terms of Bray's offense going into the playoffs. Like What we've seen from Ozuna and Freddie Freeman this year is insane. And not only have they been great, but, you know, Ozzie Albies has been unfucking believable since coming back from the DL or the IL, whatever the hell it's called. And you can't forget Acuna. So it's like those four in particular, I mean, I think they can go up against anybody in baseball. And another good, the other good news is that Marcelo Zuna has experience facing these guys who have been on the red or the Cardinals for for a few years, so you know he's imparting his wisdom to the rest of the team. I mean, I I, I like I haven't seen anyone dominate really the way that Freddie and Marcel like I haven't seen that a, a duo like that offensively on a team in a long time, and I think the people that are picking the Reds, myself included, are undervaluing those players in particular in terms of the damage they can do in the playoffs. These guys are both healthy. They're both hot as as hot can be. And Freddie should win the MVP, but it doesn't really matter. So I think those those two guys in particular, if those guys fade, if you know, if we're if we're looking at it like it was with Donaldson last year, where Donaldson had like two hits in the playoffs, 
if Freddie and Ozuna do that, I, I think we're also screwed. But, you know, if those guys are able to rise to the occasion, and they don't have to hit 500 in the series, but just, like, give me some timely hits. Give me some a timely home run. Do something. Put the team on your back, man. Take the pressure off this young staff. Step up and continue to be the offense that you've been all season. Those two guys... Those two guys in the starting rotation are the are the biggest X factors to me. I think the biggest X X factor now that you talk about it is hitting with runners in scoring position, because that's where we were absolutely yeah. atrocious last year, where we could have, as we talked about the Falcons, stomp on their throat and put a game away with one or two more timely hits, and we didn't get it. So that's what it's going to come down to. I, I think we can coax a little higher scoring game out of these reds i'm looking at right now i'm looking at the box scores of the yankees indians game that's going on shane bieber that's everyone's talking about is the the best pitcher in all of baseball he's given up four runs in three and a third inning so things get weird in the playoffs i think we're going to score some runs but we just need those timely hits to close out a game when we have the opportunities we can't do any of this bases loaded nobody outs get zero runs nonsense that we seem to have the affinity to do the last few years so yeah and and this year too i mean that's that's been a big problem yeah with with so, the braves this year you, you can't come back i mean you can come back in the playoffs but it's a hell of a lot harder to do in the playoffs than it is in the regular season here here like you, you you can't just hit those magical late inning home runs as much when you're down and get back in the game you, you know you get on five nothing it's going to be really hard to come back against this this rotation We'll see how it goes tomorrow, Graham. I'm nervous already. <laughs> it's gonna be such. It's gonna be such I a weird you, day. I'm like trying to get up early to get the work I have to get done finished in the morning, and but there's not going to be any like going to bars. It's just all right. Plop it on the couch at noon. Opening up the ESPN app. Let's watch this playoff game that seems to just be here out of nowhere. After sixty, after after yeah, sixty games, it feels very right, right, yeah. Combined with the just bizarre season in terms of mm-hmm. length and everything else that's been going on, and then it's like, yeah, here's a baseball game at, at noon. I would be really pissed off if if it wasn't COVID and we were playing at noon. Um, just because I know we wouldn't get a lot of people in the damn oh, stands. Oh yeah, that's fair. I don't know why we're playing at noon. I guess because they're trying to squeeze all these extra games in, but. Well, yeah, that's why someone has to has to do it. But you would think that are when we you really have the worst matchup? Two guys who are at the top of the damn Cy Young race competing in Game One of a playoff series that that would be you know marquee prime time. No one oh, Astros Twins. They're one o'clock. No one cares about that shit though. Marlins Cubs. It's the Cubs. They got a lot of fans. White Sox A's at three. That should be our slot, man. Well, you know what? They're for the. Could, I think that's a time zone thing. Uh, oh yeah, they're playing in Oakland. Right, you don't want to play at 9 a.m. How about Ray, Rays Although, Blue Jays? That seems like a noon game to me. That should be the noon game, hands down. Especially it's a one eight in terms of the seeds, yeah. and you know the Rays have just dominated all year, and the Blue Jays don't really have a chance in hell. It's like the Reds certainly have a chance in terms of pulling off an right. upset. So hopefully, I mean it, it's also I mean they're both both teams are going through it, but like. They've never they haven't played a single noon game all year. Not not to mention on a Wednesday, so it's just a different routine to get ready and warmed up and all that. I mean, they're going to be out there 
what, like 8 a.m.? Probably. Freed's got Freed's probably taking an Ambien right now or something, trying to fall asleep early. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> I just imagine Max Freed just like hovering over his bed, just like popping like 10 Ambien and washing it down with a beer and just being like, God damn, I'm ready to go, but I need to go to sleep, man. Just <laughs> I know, I, you're so. You gotta I, I, take some sort of drug. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm already jacked about maybe, it. As, as our favorite coach, Dan Quinn, yeah. likes to say. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we could get Dan, maybe they should get Dan Quinn to do like a, a 10 a.m. like a locker room chat with the Braves to get them jacked up. Yeah, motivational speaker, how to win in the playoffs by Dan <laughs> Quinn. Guys, I went to the, I went to oh, the Super so, Bowl, guys. I know how it's done. Right. I will say this about Dan Quinn. At least he's won three playoff games. That's why he still has a job. The problem is the last time I did that was uh, three years ago. Yeah. Should we get into our quick little Falcon segment? Uh, We've talked Braves it. for roughly so 45 Adam, minutes now, so we got to mention the Falcons. Right. So, Adam, I think, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Being an Atlanta Falcons fan is like taking a COVID test. It's not that bad at first, but by the end of it, you're left with tears in your eyes and your head just hurts so much. And it's just it's just unconscionable. It's it's the worst. It's like the worst feeling. And the problem is after it's over, you just don't want to do anything. And you just feel like shit. And it, you know, you don't feel better until the next day in terms of your, your face has calmed down and your nose has stopped hurting. And you've stopped crying. You know, all those tears flowing out of your eyes from the just you know, the sheer intensity of being a Well, and you state. can't trust the results, because even if you get the results of the COVID test back, are are they are they false negatives, false positives? You don't know, just like you don't know after a Falcons game. Is this really a shitty, the shittiest team in the league? They seem like they're kind of good. <laughs> I don't know. Like they, they play great for three quarters. Are they the best team in the league? But just for three quarters of a game, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is, Graham. Yep, I don't know what it is either, Adam. But so I, I'm, I'm going to give my Falcons. quick recap of the Falcons game. Yeah, please. Uh, we did exactly what we did in Dallas, basically. You knew it was coming. Went up big. Actually played a great third quarter, which was unbelievable. They seemed like they had everything in control. Fourth quarter comes around. We have four straight three and outs. Did not run the ball at all. And we blew it. Matt Ryan in the offense. All they needed to do was get like three points at one point in that fourth quarter. And you're probably going to win the ball game. And they couldn't do it. Defense was gassed. Koo, I didn't realize, was injured. Missed two kicks, an extra point, and a field goal. And, yeah, it was just the same shit, new day. But I, I felt less concerned about it because it is what it is. And it, yeah. it's just such a shame. I was thinking about this today. Last season, because this, this is exactly what last year felt like, and it's unbelievable that it's a year later. And we're seeing the exact same shit. And, like, all that losing last year was for nothing now. Because Arthur's not going to fire Quinn this year. Let's get over that one. I understand this hashtag fire Quinn. It's not going to happen. Just deal with it. It's not going to come to the offseason. And it's just a wasted two years, basically, where we could have moved on. We could have been starting fresh right now. We might have still sucked, but at least we'd have something new happening and not just seeing the same – scenario 
play out over and over and over and over again. And it's September 29th, and I'm already looking for new activities to do on Sundays besides watch football. Yeah, it's it's something else, man. It really is. And, and the thing I want to touch on in this game, three things. One, Matt Ryan looked really good starting out. And then, like, the first pass of the game was this pass into the red zone to Ridley. Let him perfectly. Great, great deep pass. And then he was doing fine into the second quarter, and then he gets crushed. I mean, absolutely crushed by Khalil Mack. Like, decapit- like you know, he should have been decapitated. After that, he was just fucking awful. Absolutely awful. He's only averaging 6.3 yards per pass. There are just these short passes. And when I say short, I don't mean like five-yard passes. I mean like two-yard passes to Calvin Ridley, one-yard passes to Calvin Ridley. It's like, what the hell are we doing here with this offense? And Matt, as much as I'm an apologist to him, for him, and even though, yes, the defense played like absolute shit, particularly in the fourth quarter, giving up 20 points, the offense did them no favors in the second half. And I think that's on Matt's shoulders for sure, but also on Dirk Cutter's shoulders for not calling any runs. And we were actually gashing the Chicago front seven in terms of running the football. Todd Gurley actually showed up to play. 14 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Brian Hill, 9 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown. Both those guys, Brian Hill averaged 6.4 yards per carry. Gurley averaged 5.7 yards per carry. We looked good running the football, and we did not run the football when we actually needed to, to kill some clock. I mean, there was one possession there near the end of the game where it was only 11 seconds. I mean, I don't know what the hell Dirk Cutter's thinking. So, especially when you look at your quarterback who's been slaughtered out there, <laughs> and he clearly doesn't have it today. This is like one of the unfortunate things about Matt is he has like two, two games a year or so where he just plays like absolute shit, where he either throws a lot of interceptions or just doesn't have it for whatever reason. This is one of those games after the Cleo Mack hit. He just didn't have it. 19 of 38, 238 yards, a touchdown, a pick, pretty pedestrian day. Uh, 45.1 quarterback rating. Just an awful, awful day for Matt. So I put a lot of this on Matt. I put a lot of this on Dirk Cutter. And and we already know the defense sucks. So we got we to do whatever we can to keep the defense off the field. And Dirk Cutter doesn't have the wherewithal to run the fucking football. It's unbelievable. I did hear from Dirk that the Bears adjusted their defense in the fourth quarter. Shocking to imagine an in-game oh coaching adjustment it's really weird to think I, I mean, about I, I didn't know it was allowed I, I, I've heard that you can make adjustments on the practice field and flowery branch on like Tuesdays but I didn't know you could actually do that in the middle of a game based off what's actually happening in that game it's because the game plan is so important Adam you can't you can't alter like you can't react to something you just have to keep doing the same thing you were doing that's just the way it's already things written go. down you got to go with it right Right, you can't improvise. You can't have a contingency plan, or whatever the 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 a plan C. You can't so, do that. I mean, when team, other teams do that, it's just it just goes against the integrity of the National Football so League. So apparently, the Bears realized that we were actually running the ball really well, and they also realized that we were down like two receivers at this point. Come the fourth, and Julio Jones, and then Russell Gage got hurt as well. And uh, so they stacked the line. They went to five defensive linemen and just one linebacker. And uh, it worked. And although we didn't even try running, so who knows if it actually worked, but it was enough to at least scare Dirk from even attempting to run. 
it's just crazy though when we're up twenty six to ten, like six minutes or whatever it is in the fourth quarter, and we don't run the ball. Like, I, or, or and there's another scenario when it was like four minutes left. I think we still had the lead. We weren't running the ball. It's like at least that'll take some time with the clock when Matt's throwing incompletions like crazy because he's having a shitty day. It, it, it's like, and it could also force them to eventually start burning some timeouts. Maybe if you're able to hold on the ball long enough. And then we didn't adjust the passing game to actually throw the ball a little bit down the field. And when we did, Matt wasn't on. There was a there's a pass to Zacchaeus where Zacchaeus burned the defense, and Matt overthrew him by about 15 yards. Um, but if Matt was on, he would have he would have definitely made that that pass, but he didn't. And so there is certainly blame to go all around here on Quinn the defense. But I'm I'm especially disappointed in Cutter and Matt in particular this week. I think. They shoulder a lot of that blame because, as we know, our defense isn't very good. So what what can we do? To, and and they're also injured. You know, we were missing they were Foyer, and, and they they actually we played were, decent in the first half of the game. First three quarters, they played okay. Yeah, and it was like once Nick Foles came in, it was like, oh, bow down to Big Dick Nick, like bow down to the Super Bowl MVP. Like we can't do anything against him. I knew as soon as he I, three I knew touchdowns. As soon as he came in, that was trouble, man. Yeah, even when he threw that pick, it didn't matter. He just had to get. He sort of just had to get going. He wound up throwing for three touchdowns after coming in in the third quarter. I mean, this team's just a fucking disaster. And and what what indication is there in games that actually matter that we can win? There's none. There's none. We are beyond the point of bitching about Dan Quinn, but it's just like now it's Arthur. It is pure. I am purely just on Arthur Blank. Sell the team. Like go go fuck off. Go retire. Like, I, I am through with the shitty, shitty ownership allowing this to continue to happen because now what's, what's happening is, is that you're wasting the last prime years of the best quarterback and the best receiver you've ever had in the history of your franchise. You're blowing it. You're blowing it to hell. And all Arthur Blank cares about is increasing the value of his franchise, like, I, like I've been saying. And you know what, Adam? The value of the franchise went up from 2015 to 2016. It went up over $600 million dollars. Because we built that new stadium. That's all Arthur cares about is increasing the value of the silly-ass franchise and not about winning. He doesn't give a shit anymore about winning. Because you know what? He used to make decisions about getting rid of coaches. He used to keep coaches on a short leash. He fired Dan Reeves, for Christ's sake, in a year when Mike Vick tore his ACL, so he had no chance. You know, He got rid of Jim Moore after Jim Moore had said those bullshit comments about how he wants to go coach at Washington University. That's his dream job. He said, oh, yeah, cocksucker? Get the fuck out of here. You know, but with... But with uh, and Mike Smith had two bad seasons. It was done. Fair enough. Dan Quinn though, he's acting like Dan Quinn won the goddamn Super Bowl. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He lost it. He lost it. He's the worst. He, he he created the biggest choke artist thing in the history of Atlanta sports. Was saying something in the Super Bowl, and this continues to happen. All three of these games that we've blown: the Super Bowl game, the Bears game, and the Dallas game. We had double digit lead in the third quarter of like two minutes left. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. That's an excellent point about him, how quick he was to pull the trigger on people early in his career when he was in Arthur Blank's owning career when he was trying to build this team up into something. And, yeah, it's just, I mean, everyone in the world knows that Dan Quinn needs to be fired, and it's just, it just doesn't make sense at this point. I, I, yeah, all all I yesterday I was oh, refreshing my phone. Is Dan Quinn fired yet? I'd hear my phone go off. I was like, is that Dan Quinn being fired? Nothing. He's still around. That's why I'm like, just give up. He's going to make it through the season. 
Yeah. Or at least to the bye. Even the damn Panthers have a win now. I didn't realize that until just now. Yeah, they beat the Chargers. So, yeah, bottom of the NFC South. Fun. Laugh, laugh. I mean, the only hope is that getting our ass kicked by the Packers on Monday Night Football, maybe that'll be enough embarrassment. Dude, if the Bears put up 30 points on us, did you see the Packers play the Saints? They were they were a juggernaut offensively. It was like gangbusters out there. I mean, they are, they are monsters. If they're going to put up 50 on us, and the goddamn Chiefs, when we play them later this year, are going to put up 65. It's also one of those weird things where I was like, I could see us somehow winning this game, like the Saints, like the Saints yeah, game last year. I also year. thought that too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come out there and, and go into Lambeau and win the win the and fucking game. It could happen. And then you know what the problem is though: if that happens, Dan Quinn coaches for the rest he, of his he life. He gets an extension if that happens. Right. He's, like next day, I'll be Dan Quinn signed to a, a three-year extension because he's good for one big upset yeah. every year. Good God. So, so yeah, play the Packers. The Packers are, are very good. Aaron Rodgers and I think Matt LaFleur got their mojo working. They look like a very, very dangerous team. And they should beat the living shit out of us. No exceptions. Um, it's going to be a long day, particularly, you know, because people keep going down. Denard, who uh, had a really nice interception in the Bears game. He's on the IR with an injury that was announced today. What what's up with Grady? Um, I don't know. Is Grady, is Grady hurt? Grady too? wasn't in that game at the end of it. Oh, that's right. I don't know. Hopefully, he can play. Very but knowledgeable on our tack will probably be out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just exhausting to talk about at this point. It's it's and that's the, the shitty thing that I mean. Uh, Quinn actually mentioned on the I listened to a radio interview with him. He said Sheffield and Foyer should be playing in the oh, game, yeah. the Packers game. So look I, out I for guess the that's good news, particularly for the secondary. Secondary desperately needs Kendall Sheffield. Isaiah Oliver might be the worst cornerback I've ever watched play in the NFL. He makes Robert Alford look like goddamn uh, Deion yeah, Sanders. Yeah, I really wish we had Trufant now. Yeah, he, yeah, he makes Trufant look like Sanders too, or any great cornerback. I swear, man, Isaiah Oliver, the only thing he knows how to do is is face away from the ball and flail his arms around like he's one of those goddamn uh, inflatable men, huge inflatable things that flail their arms around in front of, like, car dealerships. That's his way of playing defense. Yeah, inflatable arm guy. That happened again in the game when I think he was covering Robinson, and he just flails his arms around. worked out that time, though. And Robinson... It worked out, but it was like it was still horrible coverage. If Robinson, it went right over his head, and Robinson could have caught the ball, but I guess the flailing of the arms got in the way of Robinson. It's just, it's, <laughs> it was just so pathetic. Here, oh, here's man. the only positive thing I've seen that I would like to end my Falcons talk on. This you're, you're welcome to continue ranting. People love a good Graham rant on the Falcons. Um, I'm just over it right now. Uh, sure. Todd Gurley quote. Did you see this? No. We're not even one-fourth of the season done, so it's so much football left. We just got to take care of the next game, put this behind us. That's pretty standard. Whatever you got to do, 24-hour rule, drink yourself to death. Shit. Come back tomorrow, Tuesday. Hey, we got to get this thing going. I, I, I like I like where he's coming I from, but that. You know, he, he doesn't know. He sounds like a Falcons fan. I guess he does know. Yeah. He's, a, he, right. he's a Georgia guy. He understands 
our mentality. And yes. What I was just about to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other, the other thing that was interesting was I heard Dan Quinn talk to Mike Bell today on the Dukes and Bell show. And well, the funniest part about it was, is he, you know, Mike Bell was asking like, why is the defense just fade away? And Dan Quinn had no real answer. And he also asked, what's the deal with Matt LaFleur? You're about to play Matt LaFleur. You know, why is it, why didn't he take over uh, as the offensive coordinator after Shanahan left? And he's like, oh, well, you know, Matt was, you know, with us. And then he went to tennis, uh, St. Louis and Tennessee, and I was with the Packers. And I was very proud of Matt. Uh-huh. And, you know, he actually mentioned that he was in consideration. He, he is very, it's very fast, but he's like, he was considered, but he didn't say why he wasn't hired. Yeah. But it was interesting to learn that he was considered. But, you know, you could take that however you want to take it in the sense that I, I've, from reports from D-Led and other Falcons beat writers, it seemed like he was, if he was considered, it wasn't a real consideration. But you have to, you have to wonder if, if you're Dan Quinn, if you're not just kicking yourself to death over over that decision to to not because you've got to think that they would obviously have first dibs at him and why would you know why would you want to leave if you're Lafleur uh, especially if you're not 100 percent ready to become a head coach yet why not take the reins of an offense that you helped construct that was the be- the eighth best scoring offense in the history of the NFL maybe Matt I mean Matt Quinn maybe Dan Quinn didn't want to hire him because he was worried that he would take his job soon well if you win a Super Bowl no one's taking your job true. If you blow the worst Super Bowl ever, then yeah, someone should have taken your job a long time ago. I it was just it was just such a it was just such a pussy answer. It, yeah. Well, it, good it, on it, Mike Bell for yeah. And it was actually yeah, a good, good question. Good by on, Mike. It sounds like he was yeah. asking. I mean he he's just as pissed off as all of us are. Like I I could oh, yeah. I, I, especially because he's a season. I, I could horror. tell with uh, I caught a little bit of Matt Ryan on six eighty the fan this morning, and Brian Finneran was just like. Not holding back and his frustration, obviously. And, like, you could tell, like, he asked Matt a couple questions about why they didn't run the ball and did not accept Matt's Dan Quinn answer is a real answer. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, although they, they've been they've been given the having to t- do these terrible day after shows for the last freaking 14 months now. So, it, it is what it is, Graham. We got a bad football team. Don't 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 yeah. don't, there's, don't there's get no emotionally invested in this one. And expect things to turn around. Yeah, I, I am I am fully on board though, Adam. Of just team nuke nuke this nuke it nuke it all. Of of sell anyone of value, completely rebuild, wash this horrible taste out of our mouths. Yeah, I, I I can't get on board with the complete rebuild, but tank for Trevor. I'm a little on board with it now. I would definitely definitely try to get Lawrence. Hundred percent. We know that's not. We know that's as much not as happening. I love Matt. Yeah, as much as I love him, if you got an opportunity to go get Lawrence, I mean, I start to just think about all these hits Matt takes, man, over the years and all the shitty offensive lines he's had. I mean. It's got to start wearing on you at some point. I mean, I still think Matt has two or three like prime years left, but 
if you got an opportunity to go get Trevor Lawrence, you should I mean, fucking We're not do gonna it. be worse than the Bengals. I mean not the Bengals, the Jets. We're not gonna be worse than Denver. We're not gonna be worse than the Giants. Hell, the damn Eagles look awful too. Like we're not gonna end up with the number one overall pick. We're gonna be we'll be lucky to sneak into the top ten. Yeah. Unless you make trades right. now. We got too Did much you, talent on the roster. Like we're gonna win some games. Yeah. The only way I would say don't nuke it is if you can get that Eric Benemy guy who's who's offensive coordinator on the Chiefs. I mean, their their offense is a well oiled machine. It's not just Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's the play calls are fresh. They're they're not predictable. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of like guy different guys touching the football. They had they had a really creative flea flicker in which it was like Mahomes pitched it to a guy. The guy pitches it back to Mahomes, and Mahomes hits him on a, a wheel route. I mean, it was just really cool shit, man. It was just a lot of, like, I mean, I know Mahomes is, a, is an absolute beast and everything, but the actual strategy in terms of the play calling and the formations and every all the mechanics of it, it was, it was, it was like, oh, man, this is what watching entertaining football is like, as opposed to Dirk Cutter's very predictable, seemingly motionless, I know exactly what's coming style of play, of play calling. Can't decide if we should have started or ended with the Falcons because now I feel depressed again. I was all excited about the Braves for a little while, Graham. But yeah, that's what they're going to do to us. Yeah, until we get a fresh face, then we have something to be excited about, even if we suck. It's like with the Hawks now. We're not a good team, but we can see the future. Right. And you know what? It's one of those things, too, where it's like if the Falcons were having to rebuild and the Hawks are obviously rebuilding, at least you have the Braves who are, you know, in the midst of hopefully many years of competitive play. So you'd have them to at least bolster our sports yep. interest. Um, so as long as not everybody is rebuilding, well, then it's, yeah, not to it's mention okay. the, the United sucking. Oh, I don't even turn them on anymore. That's just boring ass. That gives soccer a bad name. <laughs> Uh, your your boy uh, Frank DeBoer got hired by someone. Not good for him. Some international team. What if Frank DeBoer's the one that got away? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think Matt Lafleur is the one who got away. Kyle Shanahan's the one who got away. Well, here's what here's what here's what uh, Tata Tata for for United was also the here's one. Here's my question: away. Does Arthur Blank involved with firing DeBoer? I'm I sure he so, was a part of that conversation because he pulled that trigger really quick. Yeah, it's just odd. Well, you also got to think about this, Adam. So what's his name? I was about to say Joe Biden. Uh, Rich <laughs> McKay. I'm just, I'm just racially profiling here. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich McKay is now more in charge of football operations than he has been probably since he was the general manager during the Mike Vick era. So how much of this is on him? In terms of Quinn not being yeah. fired, because it seems like Arthur has has a degree of separation now that wasn't there in the past. Yeah, I mean, we we ne- I feel like we never actually hear Rich McKay, Rich McKay talk though. Like, no, the only thing he talks about is like the stadium and you know just shit like that. Shit about the stadium. Shit about the too NFL. many chefs, Graham. Too many cooks. Yeah. But I because because Darren Eels is the president or whatever of of United, 
So he, our general manager, whatever the hell he is, he, he you know, he calls the shots in terms of hiring or, or you know, who he's going to bring on. So you got to think that maybe he made that call. Obviously, he's probably got to ask Arthur. But so that makes me wonder because that 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 move was made so quickly. Yeah. On DeBoer. Or Eels. Yeah. Was it? Is it is it an Eels versus McKay kind of thing we got going on here where McKay's just like whatever or, or I don't know what he's thinking. But you know what I mean? Like, is that the discrepancy? Is that the difference in why one guy under the same ownership group was fired and another guy hasn't been yet? Um, And that would make sense. Everyone's, yeah, I mean, there's not a guy who's calling all the shots. There's too many guys in the Falcons camp where United, you got Darren Eels. Right. That's a good point. I got to wonder, too. It's just like the shit with our offense. Like, we got, like, four offensive coordinators right now. It's like. Just get one guy who's the guy. Uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a biz- – I know it worked last year. but was clearly not working now. It's so odd to me, too, because it's like I know Sheffield's not on the field, but, I mean, the defense did look a lot better at the end of the year last year against quality teams. So it's like we're, we're having the same problems we had last season when we sucked that we're having now that we're supposedly, you know, scrubbed away, washed away because we had figured out how to work with the, with, with this unit that we have. And that clearly is not the case. Um, well, at least we, hopefully it ends, it ends soon. <laughs> Just can't take it much longer. At least we have a nice stadium that no one can go to. Yes. Yes. And there's no way in hell I'm risking my health going to watch the goddamn Falcons because they are going to start letting people in. Soon, yeah, this is not not apparently. the year to uh, put yourself out there. Yeah, if we had if we had a good team, you know, maybe I'd be like, ah, fuck it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be we'll be separated enough for for COVID shit. But when, that that would be the that would be just the ultimate coup de gras, wouldn't it? You go to a Falcons game and you die from COVID because you went to the Falcons <laughs> game. <laughs> well, you would just be the last way for them to let you down. I'd probably go there and get poison ivy somehow. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh, God, I hate even saying that. But it's like, I know that's what would happen to me, <laughs> is that we lose in a heartbreaking fa- we lose in a heartbreaking fashion, and then I die two weeks later from COVID. Well, Atlanta sports would have finally killed you. Yeah. I just did it a hell of a lot sooner well, than I thought. While we're on you and physical harm, oh, you really got off the hook with the Falcons losing and not, have, not even have to be scared for a couple of weeks of getting your testicles taken off, as Hugo pointed out. Oh, yes, that's right. I made a bet for anyone who missed it last week that if the Falcons went, ran the table and were perfect from here on out and won the Super Bowl, that I would I would uh, chop my tuscles off during a show. <laughs> so I, I definitely dodged a bullet there. Thank are you, Falcons. Are, well, seeing what the team is, are you willing to run that bet back one more week? No. Oh, co- no. You only make that bet once when you're talking about your tuscles, and you probably shouldn't How make about it one all. testicle? One testicle. N- no. Well, that's a bummer. I'll I'll do. I can think of another body part. Shave your head at least. Oh sh- yeah. Okay. How about that? I'll shave my head, or have your wife shave my head if she's my barber. If we if we make the if, playoffs. Uh, if we make the playoffs, I'll shave my head. That's reasonable. That? To the scalp, though, not not a buzz all the way. Pa- yeah, all the way. Totally. And you know what? Shave my eyebrows too. <laughs> That's nice. the new bet. I look like uh, Whoopi Goldberg or that uh, or that guy on the. 
best British baking show or whatever. He's got no eyebrows. He's got no body hair at all. I, I don't know that guy, but is it because he's a chef and burned him off? I'm not sure. I don't really watch it. Alexa puts it on, and I'm just like, okay, here's this baking show. I'll just work on something. Sure. Well, it's sort of just on in the background for me. But, yeah, he's, he's an odd-looking individual. It's just pasty white guys, no body hair, no eyebrows. So, yeah, I'll shave my eyebrows. I'll shave my head if the Falcons make the playoffs. Sweet. So one last little question for you. If the Braves lose this week and if the Falcons lose this week – are we going to reinvent our podcast as a political podcast? Yeah, I think it'll be a political <laughs> podcast for sure. As we know, Adam, the first presidential debate is tonight. I know. So, so we have we're gonna have a lot of material. That's the thing. We'll have a lot of material. So yeah, we'll become we'll become a a political podcast if the the Braves lose this week. Just give it up because we're not going to have jack shit to talk about. This is going to be hard to get through this Falcons yeah, that, season. Yeah, that would be. Lined up to be one of those super depressing podcasts where we cry about the Braves losing and the Falcons being shitty. I mean, we'll have to do it once, and then we'll just you know move on as we always do, yeah, and just give the preview of our new podcast. All right. Okay. Cool. Sounds good to be man. Cool. Well, everyone, good luck to the Braves, and good luck to you watching. Hopefully you don't have to get absolutely shit face wasted to get through what should be a very eventful wildcard round between the Braves and the Reds. That game tomorrow is at 12 noon, or I guess today, when you'll be listening to it, 12 noon on ESPN. And we have no idea when the other games are happening. So I guess look on the internet and figure it, it out. Is, or your local newspaper if you're still Thursday in Thursday and Friday, though, so the series will be over by the weekend. Oh, man. I'm so yep. scared. We're going to know very soon, Junior, very soon. Yep, we'll know by the next time we talk to you guys. So we hope you all are staying safe out there. And thank you, however, and wherever you're listening to the show. Until then, rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer. Believe in Blue Land and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.